Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Food that's good for the environment, good for the people who eat it, and good for the people who grow it. They pick it so it's beautiful when it comes to market, and you get to enjoy that. Local businesses is the, the first place that we can directly support somebody. You've got to believe in what you do, and if you stick to that, then you're getting there anyway. Hey, what's up? Stefan Postuma here with another Quicksand Food Podcast. And today I speak with Burble France from Hidden Harvest. Hidden Harvest is a not-for-profit. They're a Illawarra-based community organization focused on increasing awareness about food waste. They do this in many different ways, but primarily through being involved in a number of different pop-up events that help to educate the public on the different things they can do in order to decrease their food waste. They've had a massive amount of different events all throughout the Illawarra focusing on different issues of food waste. They continue to have all sorts of different pop-up events collaborating with different businesses and they also produce some food. They make chutneys and all sorts of different upcycled food from ingredients that are gleaned from different farms around the Illawarra and different businesses as well. Burble has a really interesting story and she's really passionate about food waste so there's a lot to be learned from this conversation. So I hope that you enjoy my chat with Burble France from Hidden harvest you you've got a passion for reducing food waste yeah. and being involved in food equity in your other job and then in reducing food waste within hidden harvest yeah what started your passion tell me the start of the story i guess my passion about reducing food waste started in west africa while i was living there for about a year i was working on agriculture projects. Um, and in a country where there's a lot of people undernourished, I actually witnessed a lot of food being wasted. And to me, that was just absolutely devastating. And I guess um, over there, like in a, develop, in a developing country, I noticed that all that food that was wasted was wasted on its way to the market. So you had a lot of um, for example, cucumbers being picked in the morning, they're waiting for the truck, the truck doesn't turn up because of whatever reason, there's no sufficient um, cooling equipment like fridges or anything like that. So that produce is just left in the sun, maybe under a tarp, and by the time the truck actually arrives, a day later, it's absolutely gone mm-hmm. moldy or wasted or similar with um, tomatoes, for example, it was just transported in bags instead of like just crates which actually on an incredibly bumpy road 
would more sort of turn into passata than mm-hmm. into tomatoes. So I guess the lack of logistics infrastructure from the from the land where the food was produced to the market, the lack of logistics infrastructure in that lag actually caused a lot of food going to waste. However, if the food did reach the market, the people are incredibly frugal, so they would eat anything, mm-hmm. like all for rotten tomatoes. Everything was kind of taken into into their um, way of like into their food system. Yeah. So I guess for me that was just um, coming from like a supply chain background. That was just absolutely devastating. That was such an inefficient process in a country where there's so many people actually going hungry. So I guess um, at the same time I was doing a master's in sustainability science, so um, which also touched a lot on overpopulation and it being a lot of stress on our food system. But in the meantime, you see all those inefficiencies in the food system itself that you're like, how is that possible? How can we have too much food here and it's that it's actually going to waste and not enough food on the other end of the supply within the same supply chain. So that, I guess, kind of probably planted the seed for me. And when I returned um, to back to the developed world, back to the Netherlands, actually, where I'm originally from, I actually realized that or I sort of learned that we in the developed world, we're actually wasting the exact same amount of food as the developing world, mm-hmm. even though we have that same logistics we we do have the logistics infrastructure to allow us to waste less but the food waste that happens in the developed world actually happens in the in the next leg so not from the land to the market it actually happens from the market to the people like to the consumers so um, a lot more food is wasted at the supermarket and at restaurants and in all houses like or we as consumers are responsible for a big mm. part of the food waste. So learning that, I guess, um, made me quite, um, first of all, probably devastated that we do have logistics infrastructure that supports us to waste less food, but at the same time, we do continue to waste food because we are living in a world of access, that food, like, we're used to it, it's not that important. We take it's, it for granted. We take it for granted, yeah. So, um, and also, I guess, while studying, still studying my master's, I actually learned the environmental impacts of food waste. So, the devastating part with wasting food is not only that all the resources that went into that food um, are wasted. So, we think about the water, the energy um, that's been put in it, um, the land that's been cleared for actually producing that food. Um, all the manpower, the transport, the packaging, but then also on top of that, when food is wasted, it often, for a big component of the food that we waste, actually ends up in the normal bin. So the normal bin is actually filled with about 40% of food waste, Mm -hmm. and that goes into landfill. And in landfill, um, food waste actually creates methane gas because of the anaerobic environment that it gets into so there's not enough oxygen to actually allow it to decompose so we're actually creating an additional environmental um, strain or stress um, because methane gas is actually 25% 25 times more potent 
than carbon dioxide. Mm -hmm. So we are contributing, like we are creating carbon emissions for a product that we're not actually using. And then on top of that, we that creates even more car like even more greenhouse gases. Mm. So overall, like it's this massive problem. Yeah. That is devastating mm. and it's actually really unnecessary. So I guess for me, it's like a massive opportunity for us to actually do something about because we are eating every day and every day, three times a day, we actually have an opportunity to make a change towards that. And in particular, us consumers being a massive, um, almost shareholder of the food waste across the food supply chain, we have that opportunity to actually make a change mm -hmm. every day ourselves. So I think it's the opportunity that makes me really excited um, that we actually can take actions or action ourselves. Mm. Well, we can, but for a lot of people, I think that that opportunity is provided to us by organizations a lot of the time. We can access information about food waste and the negative impacts it has on the environment and the potential for us to, uh, you know, take action against it. But it's organizations like yours that actually educate people on different things that they can do practically. And yeah. I think that the overall, the overall thing that I gained from Hidden Harvest was it, it provides you incentive just being connected to that organization. It makes you conscious of your decision-making because you are more educated and are connected to an organization. It's, it's almost like the, you know, let's put an analogy of personal fitness on it. Having a personal trainer a lot of the time for people, the incentive to exercise comes from the fact that they've got someone there that's mm. providing them an incentive, not the yeah. fact that there's someone telling them what to do. And that's what I found from yeah. the harvest. Yeah. So the opportunity that we have that yeah. you were discussing then yeah. and being able to provide people with information was one of the reasons why you started Hidden Harvest? Um, yeah, I guess um, I saw Hidden Harvest as, an, as a way of um, making people aware of that opportunity um, to actually ask consumers to actually tackle one of the biggest, I don't know, environmental problems or food sustainability problems. So um, Hidden Harvest is a grassroots initiative that in a quite literal sense brings food, the issue of food waste to the table. And we do that by um, actually picking up food that would have normally not reached a consumer's plate and transforming that into appetizing dishes and serving that at um, various um, pop-up events um, with the aim to generate the conversation around food waste and by generating the conversation around food waste we also um, we really hope to empower people to um, to take some actions in their daily routines and while I'm saying take some action I actually am referring to adjusting really small things in their lives to to ensure that they're, they waste less food. And it is, it's not a massive change that you need to make to reduce food waste in your life, but it is 
in incorporating some small additional steps will actually allow you to waste a lot less food. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we can talk about some of those things a bit later, but let's talk about Hidden Harvest itself. Yeah. How how did you how did you start it? like it, it started off as a seed in in your head of an mm. idea of something yeah. that you wanted to do and i guess one of the challenges with starting any sort of organization like that is like getting an audience and yeah. and attaining people who want to listen to what you have to say and and yeah. trying to get your message across in a way that people resonate yeah. with and and then want to return and and really be a part of it so how did you start it and how did you sort of overcome some of those challenges? Hidden Heart started, um, it started with me coming back to Australia and um, one of my friends, my good friends, um, also is quite passionate about food and food waste and um, I was actually inspired by a number of projects in Europe. So I researched a lot and there were similar projects um, as Hidden Harvest in Europe. And looking at those projects, I said to my friend, do you know, it would just be awesome to just do a dinner for 20 people or so with food that would normally go to waste. So we kind of just went around to rule. We asked a few people, hey, do you guys have any food that would normally go to waste? Would you be interested in donating it to us? And we want to use that food to raise awareness on food waste and the environmental and social issues around that. The first few conversations were quite awkward because it feels like you're you're asking for like, I don't know, a bit of a handout. But really, it isn't. Like it is actually not own. It's actually a really cool conversation to have with businesses and local producers because they are also dealing with waste. And waste, in the end, is an efficient component of their business so for them to talk about waste is already kind of exciting as well mm -hmm. because you you have that conversation with them they start thinking about waste how can they waste less but at the same time you take their produce or their leftovers or for whatever reason not use produce and take it to kind of further that educational message um so we had the first dinner in Tyrol, the railway institute and it attracted about 20 people and they were mainly actually very quite connected people in a sense of um, they were mostly your friends and um, or friends of friends it wasn't too much of a new network however there were a few probably out of the 20 there were about five people that I'd never met myself cool. so it is quite interesting that straight away it had a lot of momentum because we only put it out maybe so had you thought of the name hidden harvest at this point and stuff and it was all coming together or, or was this a bit of a yeah. no we already had kind of we actually um had already come up with the name hidden harvest and we even had we potentially even had the logo yeah um developed by one of my friends um but it was more in a playful sense that we were like let's just do it have a, have a dinner yeah. let's have fun and we weren't so much about um focused on the behavior change like i think it was more raising the issue generating that conversation and i think over the last two years we probably have extended or um skill set to not only generate that conversation but to actually provide some tools to um, the audience to actually really um, empower them to take those small steps in their own lives mm -hmm. um, to reduce food waste so 
after that initial dinner which showed up within like a day of like putting it out there um it was really successful like everyone was absolutely buzzing we had a bit of a feedback session afterwards got some really good feedback not like a lot positive but also some improvement opportunities and um i guess after i just had the bug like you know when you <laughs> just you've done something and you've just been you're just buzzing afterwards and you're like this was great and it actually was quite easy to get all that food that would have normally gone to waste so not only is that sort of devastating that you can just get food for 20 people with like with just going around a few yeah. businesses that there's enough food going to waste for 20 like to provide a meal for 20 people mm, of course and then also um just the, the conversation that was generated during the night was quite um yeah it just gave me a real buzz so i think from that moment it's just been going forward and there's been opportunities to do more and more and more of those kind of pop-up events and all in different kind of shapes and sizes and i guess while i was initially quite surprised that we were able to get food that would have normally gone to waste for 20 people i actually figured realized that there is so much food going to waste Mm. you can pick up food like you can pick up as much food as you want really and (laughs) feed like a thousand people on the next day kind of thing like really it just depends how much you pick up mm. because there's yeah our food system is quite broken if you mm. kind of look at it in that sense um one thing that you mentioned was when you first started talking to whether it's farmers or businesses and stuff about this first dinner that you wanted to have I find that far- farmers are, are, for me, they're, they're people that are, although they can contribute to food waste in the sense that they may not be able to harvest stuff or, or whatever it might be, they, they hate wasting food as well and they hate wasting their produce. So when you, when, you, when, you, when you started talking to them, it must have been sort of refreshing for them to see someone from a different background mm. Having the same conversation, being passionate about this issue, and providing a public forum to talk about this—was that yeah. something that you felt when you first started talking to these farmers and stuff? Yeah, um, yeah, they definitely. The the tricky part is food food waste. Like food waste happens at all steps of the supply chain, mm-hmm. at the farm, at the supermarket, at restaurants, at within our homes um the the positive thing about food waste at a farm is that it most of the time goes back into the ground so it doesn't actually cause that environmental impact of going into landfill however yes food waste on a farm is absolutely devastating to the farmer because that's food that's put all the energy that they've put into it to actually grow it that's wasted Mm -hmm. So and it's a loss of money, like it's a loss of, of um, income. Income, of course. So for people that for people that don't understand how that works, do you want to explain to them how food is wasted on farms and why why there is waste on farms? Um, the waste on farms often happens because they there's an like um, overhaul or like I don't want to say overhaul oversupply. So they all often plant more then they believe there is demand just to make sure if a part of the crop fails for whatever reason they have 
more on hand. However, if all the crop is successful, the full crop is successful, they actually end up with a bit of oversupply. Um, it depends on the farmer, like it really, and it depends on the crop. Some crops, and this is probably a good question to ask, for example, Marburg Organics, with who we work a lot, um, because some crops are turned back into the ground mm -hmm. and the next, um, the next crop is planted on top of that. But that's not always possible. Sometimes they actually need to pull it out and put it into a compost pile, which is actually a lot of um, work mm. because they don't want the seeds to go in the ground because that will change the like soil. Change the soil, but also potentially has, like for example, if it's tomatoes and you plant on top of that chilies, the tomato plants will come through the chili plants as well. So it becomes a bit right. difficult to manage because you, while you're turning things into the ground, you're also turning the seeds into the ground. And that, of course, can have some um, troubles there. However, um, a big part of the food waste at the farm as well is we consumers have the expectation that foods are perfectly shaped and in the exact correct color, which I don't know. Like if we look at humans, we're all different. We're all unique. And I guess with foods, it comes from nature. It's the same. Like. An eggplant doesn't always have to be perfectly purple mm -hmm. or um, a tomato isn't always perfectly round or yeah um, it might have a bit of a bump here or a bump there and it doesn't mean that it tastes less or that it's not edible it's it actually means it's probably more delicious because it has a great na natural shape mm. um, but it is something that we consumers have are dictating to an extent back up to the farm so the farmers when they re when they see the produce and some of the produce is not perfectly shaved they sometimes don't bring it to the market because they know that their produce won't sell as good as when it looks perfect so mm -hmm. it is there is a stigma around wonky vegetables mm -hmm. and there's some there's some good developments but happening you, around you, that you say that but the, the thing is is like what i've noticed anyway it's like is, is the responsibility for that sort of thing on the consumer or is it more on the supermarkets who drive that sort of thing? Because the people that I hang around with, the people that I know that don't care if a banana is straight and they don't care if, a, you know, like an apple's massive and perfectly, you know, I actually, like, I mean, I'm more educated about food than probably your average person, but I like seeing a smaller apple that has a stem and some leaves on it because mm. it looks it looks natural and it looks like it's something that's picked from a place that has ethical and you know mm. has integrity in their farming practices. Yeah. Do you do you like from what you've seen? Do you see people actually having that expectation? Um. So in particular, for farmers that sell into supermarkets there are regulations so there's mm. some ridiculous regulations on bananas which we would have seen for anyone who's seen war on waste mm. um like it's just crazy um the expectations that banana is not allowed to be too bent but not too straight and needs to be a certain angle and needs to have a certain shape and whatever um or size yeah like it is really interesting because supermarkets will say it's the consumer who's dictated these kind of expectations and if they're not th those shapes we won't we won't sell them 
the consumers on the other hand say the supermarkets don't sell they don't sell anything different so that's why we buy what we buy I do believe that consumers can no I I really think that consumers do the majority of consumers do Mm. buy that perfectly red tomato Mm -hmm. that's perfectly round and they will not pick that one that has a few yeah. different shapes to it um, I do think people that shop at a farmer's market they might look at it quite a little bit differently however again also con- we consumers do do we are creatures of convenience we expect the supermarkets or wherever we go shopping to have we expect the supermarket to have whatever we want at whatever time so for example Baker's Delight they have the same selection of bread in the morning at nine o'clock as at seven o'clock in the afternoon or six o'clock in the afternoon to make sure that whatever consumer arrives has the exact same choice from a food waste point of view that's absolutely ridiculous because at the end of the day baker's delight has a huge amount of food that's being or bread that's being wasted Mm. just because they're oversupplied to satisfy all expectation so yes i do think we as consumers do have a massive role mm. to play there and that's kind of the also the awesome opportunity that I true hidden harvest like to um, make people aware of mm-hmm. to kind of say hey guys we actually have a choice we can when we go to the supermarket we can buy those bananas they're just single like you know when you yeah, see the banana bananas. the single banana like it's like it's a thing why would yeah. you buy bananas in a bunch that's why yeah <laughs> Pick out, the single ones. pick out the single so why, ones. So why pick out the single ones though? Tell us why. Because they're often left. At, at the end of the day, that's the ones that are left. And for whatever reason, people don't like the yep. idea of picking, grabbing a single banana because it must be left alone there for whatever reason. We just assume it's wrong. The, wor- the, the worst one is actually... If you want three bananas, so what, there's a bunch of four, so you peel one off the a bunch of four and take the three rather than taking three single and bananas. Chances, <laughs> are, chances are, at the end of the day, it's those single bananas that will end up in the bin. They do, yeah. And so I guess there, directly, we have an opportunity to say, hey, I don't go for the bunch. I go for the single bananas. I grab however many I need. So it's actually perfect. You can exactly grab how many it's actually, you need. Yeah, it's actually easier. And But you directly reduce the, those bananas from going to waste so yes i do think that we as consumers have a massive opportunity mm. and it's actually really exciting in particular when you realize how you can make those impacts within our food system mm. it's interesting because i think a trap that i get caught in frequently is that i because of the work that I do and the people I know and stuff, I'm surrounded by people that have quite a good education about food. So people that do shop at farmers markets yeah. and people that do know what to look for when they're, you know, like if you buy a veggie box where the the veggies are covered in dirt, like I love that because you know that it's fresh and you know that mm. it's you know that it's you know well well sourced. And they but, say yeah. that it's kind of good to eat a little bit of dirt. Exactly, it's, it's good for your immune system. <laughs> yeah. But um. There's this. There's a huge population of people that don't have that education and and have never been provided that, and or have no. been raised in, you know, an environment where people can't afford to shop at a farmers market because yeah. it's more expensive than it is to shop yeah. at an Aldi or a supermarket mm. or whatever it might be. 
Um, and yeah, I guess we forget sometimes, or I forget sometimes, sort of the, the, the population of people that don't have, don't enjoy the same level of education that I have through the work that I do. Um, and yeah, can, can think that, you know, an apple has to be massive and like perfectly red and yeah. all that sort of stuff and, and don't have that level of education. So yeah, it's interesting because, um, you know, I think the majority of the population mm. doesn't shop at a farmer's market. Oh, 100%. Doesn't, so, and I guess that's, that's, yeah, that's why we've ended up with a system, food system that as it is, like, because we are creatures of convenience and we are expecting the supermarkets to deliver exactly what we want. And we pick out the best looking f- fruits and veggies because... In the end, we shop with our eyes. Like, we do. Mm. Even I do. Like, Everyone does. Everyone does. Even if you're at a farmer's market, you do. Yeah. You're always going to buy the nicest looking bunch mm. of beetroots. Yeah. Uh, you know. But, yeah. It's bang for your buck, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Like... <laughs> um, let's go back to Hidden Harvest. Yeah. We got to the point where you were talking about your, the first dinner and yeah. getting getting that feeling of excitement of you know the potential and opportunity of an organization like this and also engaging with that group of people who attended the first dinner and also the businesses and farmers that you dealt with um where did it go from there um after that first dinner we after that first dinner we actually decided to do a soup night so a film and soup night. So we actually um, came across this movie called Just Eat It, mm-hmm. a food waste story. And it's about two dumpster divers. Oh, no, actually just a couple, a general couple. But that takes on the challenge to dumpster dive for six months mm-hmm. to really kind of not only have a look how much food is actually wasted at supermarket level, but also to kind of just take on that challenge and... Um, yeah kind of just to showcase food waste in a slightly different sense and it's actually a really funny movie so as we came across it we thought you know this is another opportunity to educate our community and do in a similar sense serve food that would have normally not reached the consumer's plate through soups a variety of soups and um, generate that conversation so it was quite a different concept it we actually found it a little lot easier because the first dinner was quite fine dining kind of focused and only reached 20 people. But with this soup night or soup and film night, we actually were able to reach about 120 people, which um, was actually phenomenal. And you realize, like we, I guess, realized that we probably put in less work, but reached more people. Mm-hmm. And the message was a lot clearer through the movie because it was like an hour's worth of education that we didn't actually have to do. Um, but was done through this really quite engaging and funny movie um, which also gave a lot of insight into the whole food system which was really interesting so it also looks at food waste at farms food waste at producer um, production like um, produce um, yeah like processing yep. plants um, as well as at the consumer level so it kind of just went through the whole supply chain which was great cool yeah and like, so from that um, Hidden Harvest was basically sort yeah, of going like we're going to do this it went on and on and on and I guess like while my <clears> friend 
um, Lucy, who I initially kind of started um, him and Hasid, um, did kind of say, look, that was fun. I enjoyed that, but it's not for me. I actually want to focus on some other things in my passion career life, whatever. Um, in the meantime, I said, yeah, that's cool. I'm going to run. I'm going to go for this because I think this is, I'm getting a massive buzz out of doing what I do with these events. Um, but also I think the opportunity to really, um, yeah, to generate the food waste conversation within the community is not only important, but it's, it's, it's that opportunity again that I just see as it's, it's really exciting. So it's something that I would love to continue doing. And I guess that passion is being my biggest driver in the whole process. So, um, yeah, like I think in the last two years, we probably have done about over 20 different pop-up events in all different kinds of concepts and shapes and Mm -hmm. all depending on what we came up with or what sometimes we work with partners. Like for example, um, we work with Wollongong Council to put up a soup and film night, but then also we've worked with um, uni societies to um, do um, like host other more like um, dinners or canapes and conversations mm. or like in all kinds of different concepts. So let's talk about some of the different concepts. So um, we talked about soup and film night. Yeah. Can- canapes and conversations. Yeah. What What was that? What was that event about? I guess Hin Haas events are always, it has the under, the foundation is always set or the foundation of Hin Harvest is bringing the, quite literally, bringing the issue of food waste to the table. So no matter what event we've done, we always, there's a component of utilising food that would have not, that would have been wasted, utilising that to generate a conversation around mm-hmm. food waste. So with canapes and conversations, that had been, trans all the food that we rescued had been turned into little canapes, so little tiny little starters from um, sourdough breads with chutneys on top of it to um, little um, like potato chips um, with the salsa verde over the top of it. Like it it, it really depends on whatever we get. Mm. So it's almost the harvest of the day um, is transformed into canapes and the conversation that sat around that was um, led by conversation cards. So everyone who entered the room received a conversation card with um, a question or potentially a fact around food waste. And um, through an MC, we actually led the conversation just to make sure that, I guess, we do want to raise awareness on food waste as well as empower people to actually take some action at home. So we want to make sure that while the food does a lot of the sort of inspiring and kind of already creates a bit of conversation we do want to facilitate um an element of empowering people Mm. as well um so yeah that was the canapes and conversations and then another event is whining about food waste which um, we hosted about a few months ago again we this was probably similar to the canapes and conversations really but we just gave it a different name and served a glass of wine with it which I guess with a glass of wine, the conversation potentially flowed even mm. more so 
Um, but again, um, we it was more a bit more tapas kind of yeah. food that we served that night, and it went really well. Like yeah. um, one of the things I was there. One yeah. of the things that um, one of the things that I really enjoyed about it was that the conversation occurs between people between strangers yes I, I hadn't met like i went there with a group of probably three other people and you're encouraged to just sit sit down with people that you've never met before and start a conversation and that's yeah. that's really interesting because you get the perspective of people that come from a completely different background to you that have different ideas yeah. to you and the way that you structured the talking points it really allowed for people to draw on their different experience you know when it comes to food and cooking yeah. and their background and all that sort of stuff to throw ideas into the hat that that generate conversation and get people thinking yeah which uh yeah I yeah. found really cool. Oh, thanks. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's another element of of kind of showcasing that there's no massive change required in your daily routine. It's just little bits. It's just having, a, like just taking a tiny bit more time to think about your food and value your food more in, an, in a way. And we as consumers, like I don't know all the answers, because your situation, your life situation is very different than mine. But I do believe that we all as consumers can inspire each other because you might know how to use stale bread really well, but don't know what to do with lemon peels or orange peels. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I drink orange juice every morning. So I know really well what to do with orange peels, but actually end up wasting my stale bread. So there we straight away have an opportunity to kind of skill share. Mm. And yeah, like I think it's those, it's that opportunity that's really exciting as well that we can all learn from each other mm. because we all have different things that we waste. Yeah. And, and the fact that you've got people up there as well providing, you know, kickstarters of ideas and yeah. stuff to, just, to start that discussion means yeah. that, you know, the MC might say something that resonates with one person at the table and they're like, oh yeah, that's like something I had on a menu at a restaurant that I went to or yeah. something like that. And then that starts a whole new conversation. Mm. So there's sort of stimulus and input coming in from all sorts of different angles at those events and that's where you get beneficial discussion yeah. happening. Yeah. Stuff that like you, you enter into new territory that you yeah. originally aren't sort of aware yeah. of. And I guess that's also one of the things that I'm really strongly strong about is that Hidden House doesn't want to lecture. We we do want to make information available for when you are ready to kind of take that information in. But the last thing we want to do is lecture. We want to actually engage you, the the guests that we that come or attract um, are attracted to our events. We want to engage them in the conversation. So that's really important to us because I really believe that lecturing people or providing them with information is not actually going to change their behavior at home i actually think being actively actively participating in a conversation will allow people to be empowered to actually take some action mm-hmm. and that's i guess what we are driving for with hidden harvest so um yeah that's that's why we are using conversation cards and facilitating the conversation with guest and like guest to guest rather than us as MCs kind of mm. lecturing yeah on what's the best way to this is what you have to do yes. it's like you might as well just send them an email if, if you if you're gonna exactly. just tell them what to do exactly you know? exactly yeah. So, yeah um the the other cool the other cool thing about it as well that connects perfectly is 
the fact that you actually do send people away with stuff yeah. that allows them to, you know, yeah. if you've got a sticker that's on, on your uh, use me first box in the fridge, yeah. um, it's a constant reminder. Yeah. And it's not just a reminder for you to go, oh, yeah, let's use this and let's let's do that. But it, it sort of makes you reflect back on the fact that you were at this hidden harvesting and some of the other things that you learned yeah. during that time. Yeah. And yeah, sort of stuff. and even for myself, so I potentially can be um, identified as a slight food waste Nazi crazy person. <laughs> Look, if I don't have the visual reminder of hey, that needs to be used first, even I will forget it because I do live quite a a busy life, and I I also would lose things within my fridge if I didn't use that eat me first box if you would kind of call it like that so i've got an eat me first box which is just a container with that sticker on it and also i live in a share house so my flatmates will also put their things that their foods that need to be used up um in kind of short time frame they will put it in there as well and everything that's in that box is sort of free for all so anyone who's making a dish or making a meal that night will take out that box and kind of look at what they can use in the next meal and then kind of go from mm. there. So it's a real, it's not, it's almost convenient. Totally. It's, it's, it just makes it easier to use mm. I think your that, leftover. That sort, of, that sort of idea, having one of those boxes, I haven't thought about it, but um, it works. <laughs> it's probably more effective in a share house environment than it is, you know, maybe for a family or whatever, because... I've lived in share houses before where everyone buys their own groceries and everyone's got their mm. own shelf in the fridge. And shopping for one person is always so much harder than mm. than eating together a lot of the yeah. time, it seems. And there seems to be quite a lot of waste. Like, you know, if you want to buy iceberg lettuce and you're just one person, it might take you a while to get through that whole lettuce. But then, you know, like if you want to buy iceberg lettuce, then you can't really also buy a massive bunch of spinach rocket other leaves mm. and stuff and have variety because you've got to get through that iceberg lettuce yes. that week if you know yeah. what I mean if you don't want to waste anything yeah so, so having that yeah share yeah. house is good yeah no but I do think it like there's a few reasons why we waste one of them like probably the biggest one is we buy too much food we buy too much food and we don't know what's in the cabinet or in the fridge already so um I guess they they are some things to think about like when when you go shopping like have a think what do you already have at home and do i actually need that and yes do i need three types of leaves if i'm only going to be eating one like one of them really mm. if i think about it um at the same time food storage like if you store your food correctly chances are you can actually like you can extend the shelf life of your food in particular fresh veggies if you rather than for example lettuce just without any packaging like put it in the fridge within two days it will be absolutely dried mm. up yellowish and not edible no or no longer edible however if you store it in like an airtight container make sure that the moisture is kept for the, like it's a nice and moist environment for that lettuce you actually realize that you can store it for a lot longer mm. so there's all these different re ways of actually making sure that you can use that lettuce in a week's time but it's all about putting that tiny bit more effort into making 
making sure that it lasts. Let's talk well. about more about how you store vegetables because it was it's been a debate between me and some people. Some people just put their veggies straight in the bottom shelf crisper. of the fridge, the crisper zucchini and broccoli and all that and i don't i i don't like putting vegetables just straight in the fridge for some reason i don't know i guess that's what just do you how do I'd then learn. either put it in plastic bags or put it in um yeah a container if i've got one yeah. but yeah most of the time my veggies will go in plastic bags that we try to recycle yeah in in, mm. in the crisper yeah so plastic bags and um a container they um they kind of have the same um, purpose of kind of keeping a moist environment for those veggies. I personally have all my veggies in an airtight container um, and I love it. Like I will grab out that Mm. container and I can see exactly what type of veggies I've got and what needs to be used first. And Mm. of course, within that process, I will select veggies that are more fragile and that will go off faster. I will select them first before the more hardier kind of veggies like carrots or beetroots or Mm -hmm. like radishes or things like that so i'll eat the lettuce first for example um the crisper yeah the crisper is also like the crisper is the crisper because it will keep your veggies crisper and it is a bit more of a moist environment rather than the rest of your fridge. The, your fridge is actually sort of a dehydrator. Mm. That air that's circulated will dehydrate yeah. the shit out of your veggies. Mm. So if you don't put them in the fri- in the in the crisper, they definitely will um, dry out. And in terms of yeah, like there's different ways of really storing veggies. It all depends on what type of veggie it is. Um, your lettuces like what you can do with lettuces is that you can actually wet a tea towel or something like that and wrap your lettuces in that slightly damp tea towel and actually put it then in a plastic bag or a container and that will hold it on will let allow your lettuces to store really well similar works for herbs um quite well i find that not really useful because if i put a tea towel around my lettuces and my herbs I'm one of those people like out of sight, out of mind. Mm. So I don't find that easy. My, like I actually prefer to just have it open in that airtight container and just can see whatever I've got. However, for example, tomatoes, I would never put tomatoes in that box because tomatoes actually release um, a certain chemical that actually will rot, like um, impact the rest. Okay, yeah. Okay, what I was going to ask you, yeah, did you have something else to say on putting your veggies away? So no. I guess the next step in that storage factor, you told us how we can keep our veggies good for yeah. as long as possible. Good. You told extend us how we can keep life. our... Yeah, extend the shelf life of our veggies for as long as possible. But another another point is that people once they see a lettuce that's dry or a little bit brown or something like that they want to throw it in a bin yeah and another part of what hidden harvest does is educate people how to use stuff that's past its prime yeah so let's talk about some examples of that yeah so um actually lettuce like if it is going a little bit when it is a little bit past its prime it may not be ideal to put in a nice salad because you can kind of sort of see like oh it doesn't look as crisp and as um refreshing as it would have looked like a few days ago like three days ago or so however we've made a lettuce soup 
bit a bit mm. of coconut milk, a bit of chili in there, and it's actually really beautiful. Um, for to make a lettuce soup, your lettuce doesn't need to be as crisp and as prime as it was when you actually purchased it. So it's about being creative and actually working with the aim to utilize all your food like after you've purchased it mm. you just kind of commit to that food and kind of say i've committed to this food let's use it yeah rather than kind of going oh it's not perfect anymore to use in a salad let's get creative like don't Suit. it's actually an opportunity to kind of expand your yeah view of what you can do with a lettuce yeah. like make a frittata and put some lettuce in it make I don't know spinach pie but sell it pie or whatever <laughs> like or combine it with spinach because really in the end it's just it's quite similar to spinach it's just a little bit less green or yeah lighter yeah. green I mean yeah so like yeah I, I, I love that sort of any opportunity you can take to increase your sort of food knowledge and how to how to cook yeah. and how to use it like you become a better it's, cook you become a better cook, but also, and I guess that's one of the things that at Hidden House we're really all about. We're about embracing creativity. Let's connect with our food. Let's let's value our food, but also kind of utilize it in a way that that actually will inspire others. So if you, yes, like you didn't use it, your lettuce as a salad, but you used it in a soup, I promise you that your flatmates or your friends who come over and have that soup kind of go, what? lettuce soup and they will be talking about that at their next mm. party or wherever totally. and i think it's about inspiring people or empowering people to use their creativity because i am not a very creative person but at the same time i am because i guess people don't realize how creative they are till they actually do it mm. and food is just such a beautiful thing to be creative with and like don't follow a recipe or just use it as a guideline. Just mm. just kind of go, oh, yeah, they use spinach here, but I will use lettuce. See what that turns out like. And you never know. It might even taste turn out better mm. than the original recipe because who dictated what that recipe should be tasting like? And I guess that is for um, for us at Hidden Halves, that's what we do. We pick up food. We don't know. We can't order it. We pick up whatever we get and we make food out of that. Mm. And we transform it into appetizing dishes but in that process we always will go oh what do we do we've got like peaches and a lot of tomatoes we do we do use google a fair bit like we just type in some different ingredients mm. and so coming up with the recipes that you use is a bit of a collaboration between yeah. your members and yeah yeah we um hidden halves has about 20 volunteers mm -hmm. and um out of those volunteers some of them are more interesting um the kitchen prep and kind of getting involved in that preserving and um, preparing for the events and other people are more like actually at the events more present um, but everyone has a role within the whole process and I actually am probably the biggest fan of the prep process mm -hmm. like I think that's just a really exciting time when you see all the food coming together and you're like oh my god is it this much this much lettuce is waste is would have normally gone mm. to waste but we've actually rescued it and then it's the challenge of oh what are we going to turn it into and how are we going to make sure that we inspire people with the food that we bring to the event as well so we actually kind of steer away from going 
the very normal dishes so using tomatoes for a tomato soup we actually say okay how can we make this more interesting so tomatoes turn into a tomato and bread soup to kind of also utilize the stale bread that we picked up or a tomato and peach soup with a hint of tarragon just because we ended up with a lot of peaches and tomatoes so what do you do Mm -hmm. um so it is about being creative but also making sure that within that process allowing other people to kind of get inspired um i'm or like hidden harvest really is really blessed with having a lot of talented creative people that don't mind to um take a risk Mm -hmm. within that and i guess also that's a part of cooking like it's okay like if you if you if you spoil your dinner once that's okay like you just learn from that <laughs> i'm not like it's not likely you will though kind yeah, of like most chances are yeah. you will learn from it but most of the time it's still quite edible just maybe not the best dish you've ever had but you don't need to eat the best dish you've like yeah ever, but most people ever don't really time. don't like on a daily basis most people just eat stuff that they're sort of comfortable with in a sense like yeah. it's simple simple food like that's kind of what you want to be making and stuff you don't you're not going to yeah. do a michelin star you no. know dish for every meal you no. can give it a go on no. at times but like and chances are that when you substitute within recipes so you've actually you you've got a recipe it calls for a broccoli but you only have spinach great you just use spinach mm. because that's what needs to be used up in your fridge and you don't have to buy that broccoli so not only are you saving money, you're reducing your waste, but also chances are that recipe is probably even better mm. or like different and potentially better. Yeah. So, yeah, it kind of takes away the norm and you like it does take you a little bit out of your comfort zone. But I think that's kind of exciting as well. And I think that's what food should be like. It should it should kind of open your mind a little bit more. Definitely. It's interesting because I think that on a on a sort of a different level and scale there's more attention to uh using using things like secondary cuts of meats or using off cuts of vegetables and stuff like that in fine dining now yeah and you see it in lots of restaurants um you know some of the world's best chefs are very passionate about what you'd call nose to tail food which is using every part of an animal but also making interesting things out of stuff that would be usually discarded so you know it's awesome yeah it's really awesome to see that trend and i really hope um it's it's actually really interesting because it is a trend at the moment but it is actually the foundation of such a way of cooking actually comes from like ages ago when like so when people actually didn't have a chance or like didn't have didn't have a choice they actually had to use nose to tell because that's what was there mm-hmm. and it was not it was like quite a scarcity so um we actually i think over generations we've kind of lost that way of cooking and that way of preserving like in europe like where i'm from myself like the nonas the italian nonas they would preserve everything over mm. summer and then have enough over winter and it's like that real you don't waste food because it's a waste of resources 
back then and like you preserve everything anything that's in surplus and it's a whole system while we are living in a world where you can get a tomato in mid-winter mm. you can just purchase it in the shop why would you preserve tomatoes if you can just buy, buy it in the shop it's a convenience it's we're living in a world of access and we are lazy I guess that's another point so I think it's really exciting that those top chefs are actually saying hey guys let's let's use this as a concept and it's bizarre that people are like all of a sudden wowed about by the fact that these chefs are doing this even though it's actually quite old-fashioned what they're doing mm. but I think it's a great trend because hopefully as hash, like celebrity chefs are doing that hopefully they do have a positive impact on the general public that then also kind of says hey nice to tell cooking great let's not waste half the cow mm. and let it go to pet food or whatever because really we could use it and all those nutrients that we do take from that is a bonus mm. it's interesting with that i guess people that go to dine at a really high level restaurant generally are more adventurous in what they'll eat and that that sort of facility because you, you go to an, a fine dining restaurant and you there's an expectation that you'll see stuff on the menu that you're not necessarily familiar with or that you haven't had the flavor mm-hmm. you haven't had those sort of sorts of combinations before so you're more willing to be adventurous in a high level dining experience which gives the chefs the opportunity to be more adventurous with what they put on the menu like if you go to a pub mm. And you see pig's ears on the menu instead of chicken schnitzel. The sort of the clientele, the clientele may not be as adventurous, and it doesn't sit True. within that. So I don't know. I just find it interesting that it's the top level of dining that allows for more experimentation mm. and adventurous, yeah. you know, adventurous cooking from the chefs. That's received positively by the diners. Yeah. But then there's sort of like. It that seems to be a bit of a, a bit of a middle level there, where yeah, where there's an expectation of familiarity in the menu, yeah. and perhaps people not being as adventurous, um, you know, eating things yeah. like offal and whatever it might be. True. But saying that, there is still opportunity within that middle ground to reduce food. Of waste. course. And like, I just like to actually steer away, um, steer a little bit towards, like, for example, people that are not as privileged as us and do mm. not have a lot of money. Reducing their food waste by just buying what they need and using all the food that they purchase actually saves them a lot of, like, by not wasting, it actually saves them money or, like, they're not wasting food that is then also a waste of money. Mm -hmm. So I think there is more incentive for them to not waste food. Um, I also think that, for example, in a pub setting, there are dishes that could allow for using up little off cuts or little like for example um a shepherd's pie is a great way of actually getting rid of some leftover veggies or some leftover pieces of meat that you actually can throw in that pie mm-hmm. so there's different dishes yeah it might not be pig's ears on a dish but there are ways of doing that without it taking it too far mm-hmm. because you do um you do want to allow people to be comfortable as well like and not there's times there's different times to kind of really yeah I don't know how to say it really yeah you have to pick your battles when it comes you, to you that you have sort to of pick thing. your battles but I do think there's still a lot of opportunity within that space to to reduce food waste mm-hmm. 100% yeah 
and to allow for people to be a bit more open-minded so it's hard to articulate but you touched on it just then there's people there's people that can't afford to purchase like high quality products or eat at high Mm. level restaurants and stuff like that and i feel like that there's there's sort of an educational gap and it's there's probably studies done on it and i can't recite any of it but yeah actually really funny so it's actually so there's three oh yeah there's three across the consumers there's three groups of wasters or identified as the biggest wasters 18 to 24 year olds seem mm-hmm. to be biggest wasters they're too busy with their party lives <laughs> they have just moved out of home they might may not or have the cooking skills and the food storage skills as um, other people have them or like when you kind of grow up a little bit more mm. um, and pick them up along the way as well as their lives are often very busy so they might have made a plan to cook something at home they've purchased all the food but before they know it their friend says hey let's go out for dinner and that's what it's a bit more impulsive so they end up going out for dinner the food that they purchased is left in the fridge and potentially goes to waste unless the night after they um, end up using it young families another one of those categories that they're busy kids can be quite tricky with what they want to eat um so there again, like they end up wasting a fair amount of food. And then it's actually people earning more than $100,000. So they actually live in a world where wasting a bit of food is not going to make a difference to them. It's right. not, they're not going to fill it in their wallet. They, they just want to eat what they want to eat. If there's something left in the fridge, oh, well, let's throw it. Yeah kind of thing so there's those three different groups so you can see and also the even earning the households earning more than a hundred thousand dollars they often probably quite busy as well because it is someone is incredibly busy in a high paying job or both um parents potentially or it's a two household how do you call it like a two household two working household yeah I don't know what the yeah. term is, but there is a term. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's quite a busy household again. So you can see that in those three categories, it's being quite busy and potentially impulsive actually impacts the, the amount that you waste. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say that it does potentially take a little bit of organization to waste less. However, as soon as you have implemented that, it is actually a lot less effort. So just, as I said in the, in the start, it's not about massive changes in your daily routine. It's actually adapting little little bits of um, kind of food waste mm-hmm. reduction components in your day, like storing food properly, making sure you check your cabinets and your fridge before you go shopping, buying only what you need, and yeah, potentially that means that you will go to the shop a little bit more often, but it does mean that you only purchase what you need because at the grocery, that's the that's that's ground zero for food waste, really. That's when you make the commitment to food, whether you eat it or not. Like that's mm. when you make that commitment. So I guess um, not buying too much is a massive one. And then also using your leftovers is another big one because if you don't know what to do with your leftovers, chances are, or if they get hidden into your fridge somewhere, 
chances are they go to waste end up hopefully in the compost but most likely into the rat bin and end up in landfill and cause another environmental issue mm. so it's easy sort of to say that all you have to do is change small habits in yeah. order to reduce food yeah. waste and it's true because you do but how do you you need to start somewhere like yeah. people need to have the impetus to be like it's about being conscious yeah and I th that's probably the hard mindful and that's probably the hardest hurdle to get over because once you become conscious of it and make a decision within yourself that you're going to be conscious and you're going to adapt these little habits and stuff then yeah the the habits are easy but how do you it, like and I guess that's a part of what Hidden Harvest does and you kind of just can do what you can do but making people conscious of it is probably the most difficult challenge isn't it? yeah and it it is difficult to make people mindful but I guess by providing people with information but also some easy tools to implement at home sure um, or some easy ways to implement at home um we hopefully we hopefully do make an impact yeah. and i do actually come across people that who often say oh, i came across um a moldy broccoli in the back of my fridge and i actually think of you that's <laughs> not actually a compliment to me but at the same time it is because that means that we've even though that broccoli still went to waste we did cause something in their brain to think about ah i should have what i should have stored it better totally. or i should have so hopefully next time they actually did use that broccoli or they did store it properly so it didn't go to waste in their fridge. Totally. Because that's actually, you don't want your fridge to be just one stop on the way to the, to the landfill kind of mm. section. In particular, not because you paid for that food. Mm. And the fact that in, on average, the average household wastes about $1,000 a year on food that is never like never actually reaches the plate it's devastating like a thousand dollars you know can just go fly to europe for yeah. a nice holiday or i don't know pay the electricity <laughs> yeah, electricity exactly. or whatever so i guess but that's great that's, that's exactly things, what i'm talking about yeah though. that's about making people conscious even if they think of you or they think of hidden harvest yeah. or whatever yeah. it is yeah that's it's the thought it's the you need to implant that yeah, implant thought, that mindfulness yeah. and thought in people's yeah. minds i think one of the like when people say when people come to the events um, we often give them um, a bit of like a mind map of 10 different things we you can actually do to have a positive impact on or like reduce your food waste or reduce food waste in general um so that's just a bit of a guideline that people can put on their fridge so mm. it's just like a reminder as well as the sticker and creating an eat me first box is another really easy way of just making having a visual reminder of like Oh, I need to use that food first. Oh, what are what are we cooking for dinner? Oh, let's have a look if there's anything we can use in that box that we can actually include in the dinner to kind of use it up. But I think, to me, the best thing to do is if you're like, oh, this is cool, I want to do something about food waste, go tree cabinets and tree fridge and kind of like weigh how much food comes out of that fridge that you're gonna waste. Have a look at that weigh it or, or like have a bit of an estimation of like ooh, and you will find that quite often like a lot of food which sort of kind of end up in the bin 
So identifying what you waste, what has been left in the fridge, what has been hiding somewhere or even in the back of your cabinets, like have a look what that is and then kind of make some active, have an active thought process around those things and kind of go, okay, how can I prevent that? Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't need to buy as much lettuce as I do or maybe I want to have a purchase like a mixed bag of lettuce because I do want to have that variety, but I don't, I can't buy iceberg lettuce, a bunch of rocket and a bunch of spinach maybe like things like that so just have a bit of an active thought process around it and be creative think outside of the box or share it with your flatmates is another way of Mm. another thing is like people don't realize the best um the different or don't know the difference between best before and used by day yeah tell us that tell us the difference um, and why it's important to know the difference i guess the difference or like because people don't realize the difference between best before and used by, they will throw out everything that's sort of past the date that mm. has it that that is um, noted on the product. But with the use like used by is actually a food safety um, statement, so it needs to be used before that date. Otherwise, the producer or the manufacturer can't guarantee it's food safe to still eat however best before is it's still good or like it's the best prime product before that date and the producer or the manufacturer says before that date we absolutely can guarantee it's the best quality however after that date it's still fine to eat like i've consumed things that were well past it's best before dates like a year later or two years later because if it is stored properly, if the packaging is still correct, if it smells fine, if the color still looks good, it's fine to eat. And I guess one of the things that these days do is they potentially confuse us that all senses are not trustworthy. But I actually like to say, don't worry about the date. Just use your nose. Mm. I don't know. Look at it. If it looks fine, if it smells fine, have a taste. If it tastes fine, it's fine to use. Mm. If it walks away or something like that, like maybe not, but like, but have a good like use your senses, give the, give your senses the respect they deserve because we yeah. didn't get them for nothing. Yeah. There's there's a lot of things as well that like they develop they develop as they get older. Like it's not necessarily that they're worse when they're older. They're they're just different, mm. and you can use you can use that to your advantage. Yeah. In a sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. One thing that I found interesting um, at the at the one of the events that I went to was there was a whole list of ideas of how to reduce food waste, mm. and last on that list was compost. Compost is a last yeah. resort. Yeah, I feel like people. Well, I definitely had this sort of conception in my mind that if you compost, you're sort of doing your bit and nothing's going to waste. But there's a lot that can be done before yeah. compost. Yeah. To and and that, and that's something you focus on at Hidden Harvest. Like, yeah. why is compost a last resort? Um, think about it this way: food is produced on a farm. All the energy, water, manpower that's gone into it, it's been transported, or it's been packaged. Sometimes, it's then been transported to the to the market, to the supermarket, then to you. Then it's been in your fridge and been stored there for a while and then it ends up in the compost. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure you can buy cheaper compost than that. That has a less of an environmental impact on our food system. So 
all the energy that's put into food, I really believe it deserves to be eaten. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's why it's produced. To co- like compost, you can actually like create compost out of the things out of your garden. Like there's no like. It doesn't have to be food. It doesn't have to be food, but also, yeah, like you cannot like it just seems a waste of purchasing food to put in your compost. Yes. Okay. Like you're feeding your compost rather than yourself. It seems to make such logical sense. Yeah, exactly. When you think about it that way. Yeah, and in particular, if you think about all the environmental, the environmental footprint of that food to kind of just put in your compost. Mm. Like it, compost is great in a sense for your, the things that you can't eat. So the uh, unavoidable food waste. So you think about your eggshells, your onion peels. However, I actually, for onion peels and like um, garlic peels and little tops of whatever, I actually use that to make a bit of a stock. So mm. I am, I, within all foods i just have a look at the opportunity to distract as much nutrients as possible and to use as much as possible of the foods Mm. and i will only throw in the compost what really only can go into the compost yeah so after i've made a stock that that goes in that will go into the compost yeah so it's about yeah but it's about maximizing what all the nutrients, I yeah. guess, and because they're worth it. Like, there's been so much energy has been put in that food. All right. Um. We'll quickly. We'll just quickly do like these little rapid fire ones at yep. the end. So what we'll do is five top tips for helping to reduce food waste. Is it does five, is five enough? What do you want more? Um. No. Five should be fine. Let's go. Okay. So five things to reduce food waste. First one would be just buy what you need. Don't buy too much. Make sure that before you go shopping, you check your pantry and fridge just to make sure you don't double up or buy yourself into a food waste disaster. Um, when you cook too much, make sure you love your leftovers. Make sure you get creative with them and make sure you you utilize them in your next meal because they actually can add a lot of additional excitement and flavor. And... Another one would be don't use a recipe. Like, use a recipe as a guideline. Don't use it as a boss. If you don't have an in- a particular ingredient, mm-hmm. don't stress that. Just have a look what's in your cabinet or fridge already that you can utilize. Because I think that's where we as, consu- like, as consumers kind of go wrong quite often is that we follow a recipe and it only calls for half a bunch of basil but we only have parsley in the fridge already which also happens to be half a bunch so we go out and buy another bunch of basil while we could have potentially just used parsley even though it does give a different taste but it's about feeling empowered to make those changes to a recipe Mm -hmm. just to touch on the first example that you gave which was don't buy too much Mm. a part of that is prepare being being a bit prepared and, yeah. and sort of having an idea of what you're going to cook that week in a sense yeah. like rather yeah. than just filling your trolley full of stuff and then figuring it out later yeah do, do you think preparation before you even go to the supermarket like you said take stuff out of your pantry is, yeah that's it's pretty yeah. important yeah so writing a shopping list and i'm not actually saying grab a pen and paper use your phone like just make some notes like 
every time I run out of something, I'll put it in my phone and I have automatically a small list of things that I need. Um, as well as before I do shop, I will have a quick look in my pantry and have a look what needs to be used first. So I will kind of see if I can design a, a dish out of that in combination with some new newly purchased foods. Mm-hmm. Um, and also have a look in my pantry. Like, is there anything that I need or is there anything that needs to be used up? Just to make sure that whatever I'm going to cook for the next few days will incorporate the things that need to be used first. And anything that I buy is just complementing those foods. Um, and it's not more than that. Just because chances are that if you buy too much, it will end up going to waste. And that's a bit of a waste of your money as mm, well. Totally. And, and, and that's just one of the small things that you talk about. That's just a yeah. small habitual change that you can make that has a really big impact. Like I think that the sort of cost benefit of just just looking in your pantry and looking in your fridge and mm. making a shopping list for the benefit that you get out of the economy of using all that food the money yeah. that you save um yeah it's huge yes cool. it's massive um okay second and the second and last one we'll, we'll just mention a couple of ingredients and you can maybe tell people how to use it so what happened like if you got bruised tomatoes yeah what do you, what do you do with your bruised tomatoes Something that you're not, um, that's not good enough to put in a salad. Not good enough to put in a salad. I will make baked potato, uh, baked tomatoes. It's actually a dish that my dad um, used to make for breakfast quite often, which is just you chop up the tomatoes um, and you put them in a pan with some garlic and onion. You let it sit, like you let it simmer for quite maybe half an hour. You crack a few eggs in it, you scramble it up, and it's delicious mm. on toast. Um, another one would be just roasted tomatoes. Um, you roast the tomatoes and you make a nice tomato soup out of it. Um, in particular, when you put some rosemary on top, a few garlics, a bit of oil, it actually makes a really nice tomato soup. So. And you guys have got a Hidden Harvest has their own chutney as well, hey? Yeah. 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 So another one that we would be using, if we end up with a lot of tomatoes, we actually would um, make, and also in combination with apples, we would make an apple and tomato chutney, right. which is a great, um, it's quite delicious on bread as well as like just anything. Okay, um, another one. Roots, stems and leaves of stuff that is, isn't generally used. Roots, stems. Roots, stems. Roots, Roots. Mama, stems and leaves. So like <laughs> parsley stems or... Yeah you know certain roots that that people aren't familiar with that you might be able to eat or lettuce leaves or uh, celery leaves yeah celery leaves yeah um i'm one of those people that cooks most of the time like if i use celery i will use the leaves in it as well like Mm. whatever it is if it's a stir fry or if it's a soup i'll just throw the leaves in um even with herb um stems however if you are not a big fan of like for example herb stems it's you can you you can actually save up the herb stems to put into um like maybe a pesto or maybe um you Mm. can save those stems like for example kale stems kale stems is one of those things people love the leaves in a salad they massage it whatever put some nice um salady kind of stuff on it but they don't like to include the stems because they're quite fibrous however you can actually make a beautiful pesto out of kale stems um, the same counts for like you can actually include carrot tops as well. Carrot tops, you can include any type of greenery really, as long as you 
make sure it has a nice balance of you add a few nuts you add a bit of garlic a bit of olive oil maybe a bit of um, parmesan if you want to depending if you want to have a vegan option or not mm. um and it's yeah. about tasting like have a taste oh needs a bit more nuts or needs a bit more salt or whatever taste it and adjust it yeah taste it and adjust it um also you can make quite a nice pickle um out of stems so if you chop them up really nicely mm. and you just bit a bit of vinegar sugar and um a little bit of salt and a bit of water, water. you boil like you've you've got a quick pickle and you kind of put them in and they're actually quite nice yeah we used to um, at a restaurant that i worked at we used to do um pickled silver beet stems yeah it's like for, beautiful it's really nice yeah, yeah pickles are something that that are starting to cross over into popularity a lot more now i know which I is know. cool it's but they're great. definitely a great way to use um and it just, use off-cut stuff and yeah. stuff that you wouldn't normally use in an interesting way like yeah. in a really interesting way and yeah. you can put it alongside a lot of stuff like yeah 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 and it also like and then when we are talking about pickles so after you've used those stems that you've pickled which the pickle has given a great flavor after which you also are left with this beautiful pickle juice that you then can use into your next salad when you mm-hmm. add a bit more oil or a little bit of balsamic vinegar or like to kind of change it up so mm. There again, like it's about thinking about every with every step you do, just thinking about oh, do I need to waste this? Maybe I can use it for something, and you actually will realize it's a whole cycle. You can use everything, really, almost everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. I haven't even thought about that using pickle liquid for things like salad dressings and Mm. other other types of cooking. Absolutely, like if you've got um, just normal pickles, like um, dill pickles or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I will use that in my next salads or. I will put actually I will use dill pickle like you know um, bread and butter pickles or whatever I will use that to actually pickle stems yeah there you go like kind of continue using that pickle Mm. so yeah it's about being creative (laughs) yeah embracing the creativity um meat products so like bones and bits of you know like if you buy a steak that has too much fat on it or pork skin or can fish frames. Are you vegetarian? Oh, I am, yeah. yeah. I assume so. Yeah, we can skip that. Oh like yeah, go on. Like maybe maybe I can answer it, but I just don't really do much on that. <laughs> yeah, I thought you might be vegetarian it might be a funny one. Um just talk about Meat just talk about making stuff. Cards, fish frames and awful. Maybe say it again. Yeah, just go. Oh, okay. Um one thing that's actually been become quite um, popular is making bone broths. So mm. utilize, like really utilizing all the nutrients that come out of the bones or the fish, the fish, um, the fish frames, like soaking it in water and with some veggies and really kind of pulling, taking all the nutrients out of it before you kind of throw it, which is mm. great. Also with um, those bones, if you've cooked them for a long time all the flesh would have come off it come off the bones and you can actually compost those bones quite easily okay so that's really good um yeah i'm all for it i think if you commit to something you may as well commit and fully do it um and use it all absolutely and if you if like if you make a roast leg of lamb and you've eaten that and enjoyed it afterwards you've got this beautiful lamb bone that you can that's already roasted that you can turn into a stock so easily yeah absolutely it's about putting the effort in and it's about 
just just rather than going out and buying stock yeah just throw it in a pot with some water and mm. some vegetables and you've got something that, that you're something using beautiful. and delicious. i think it's even more exciting that like it's actually exciting that you made it as well and that you can add the different flavors that you like and um yeah and it's it's almost a challenge or the opportunity of utilizing all the nutrients that are available to you mm. like i think people are quite negative about being frugal or kind of about things like that but i don't think it's frugal being frugal is a negative thing i think being frugal is actually a really awesome thing and it actually kind of like stimulates you to be more creative with your food and and it's that creativity that is really exciting i Mm. think cool yeah that's cool let's leave it there Thank you for listening to another Quicksand Food podcast. I really hope that you enjoyed my chat with Burble France from Hidden Harvest. You can get involved with Hidden Harvest. You can volunteer for them or you can just attend some of their events. So you can find them on social media and you can also find them online. Their website is hiddenharvest.com.au. If you want to find out more about us, our website's quicksandfood.com and you can find us on social media at Quicksand Food on Instagram and Facebook as well. Please keep supporting local food. Please get out there and get the Illawarra Cookbook. It's a local independent publication available at all good Illawarra retailers and on our website. Thank you for listening to this Quicksand Food Podcast, and we'll see you again with the next episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.